Merry Christmas po, mga kapatid. I'm still wearing my face mask. I don't go, ho- go out of my house without the alcohol. And gentle reminder lang po, uh, we are still very much in the lockdown as imposed by our government. And I am trusting that everyone is extra cautious. Especially po, our authorities are reminding us of the very real possibility of a surge in the COVID cases, especially in these coming holidays, na hindi mapipigilan ang pagtitipon-tipon ng mga anak ng Diyos. And so I am trusting, mga kapatid, that even as we enjoy the merriment of these beautiful holidays, and we should, we should not be locked down by fear, but we have been taught and we have learned in the last nine months of being under lockdown, that hindi po makasasama at hindi makasasakit kung tayo magiging mapag-iingat. That's for you and for your loved ones as well. Today is December 20. In five days, Pasko na po, mga kapatid. And like today, we are still in the continuation of the sermon series that we have begun. Nung ating 30th anniversary ng December 6. And the Word became flesh. Last Sunday... Pastor Jonathan Aranton took us to the story of Bethlehem. How the greatest can come from the smallest of things. And we have been reminded that really we don't despise the small and simple beginnings of life. Sa mga malilit na bagay, yan pong specialization ng Lord. Nobody is insignificant and nothing is insignificant if you do it for the glory of God. Today, I'd like to talk to you about a sermon entitled, The Gift of God. Because right here, right now, I have a gift that I got, I don't know, from somebody, but I am reserving. I am saving the delight of having to open this maya po. Ano kaya ang nasa loob ng regalo to? That's the magic of Christmas, I believe. Because underneath your Christmas trees, I believe, marami kayo ngayong mga regalong talagang balot na balot pa. At nilalanggam na dahil hindi nyo alam, minatamis pala ang regalo sa inyo. At akala nyo sa December 24, eve nyo pa mabubuksan. But nobody can take from us the delight of having to enjoy the gifts that come from our friends, those that think of us, those that remember us. Today, we're going to talk about the precious gift of God. Especially as we celebrate and commemorate the birthday of Jesus. So to continue in our Christmas narrative, I'd like you to open your Bibles now to the book of Isaiah chapter 7. We will be reading two verses only from different parts. Very familiar passages that will remind us of the prophetic utterances that pointed to the coming of the Savior. Let's begin with Isaiah chapter 7. Verse 14 would say, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Oh, this has been repeated many times all over again during Christmas seasons. How the Lord has been foretold by the prophet Isaiah. How the virgin birth of Mary would happen. Now flip your Bibles now, just two chapters of Isaiah. 
Let's go now to Isaiah chapter 9, the sixth verse. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let us pray. Lord, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that every time we gather like this, whether face-to-face -face or whether online, Lord, we get to feast on the never-ending bounty of your counsel. Today, Lord, as we look forward so excitedly for Christmas morn, for Christmas Eve, Lord, we come to these verses again, verses that tell about you that foretold your coming today lord speak unto us in a fresh new way in ways only you can O holy spirit thank you jesus come now and glorify your name everyone will say amen isaiah where we took our text in today's reading his name in Hebrew is Yeshayahu. That's the Hebrew characters that you will learn. And it literally means God is salvation or God saves or the Lord is my salvation. What a beautiful name that Isaiah's parents gave him. Isaiah, of course, was not always walking in the ways of the Lord. Proof of this is that when the Lord allowed him to have this theophany, this epiphany. Isaiah suddenly realized that he was a doomed man because he has seen the Lord, and yet he was a man of unclean lips. Just goes to show, my friends, how important names could be when you give it to your children. Sa mga tatay, mga nanay na magkakaanak pa lang, maybe you can consider this beautiful name. Because it speaks of the character of the destiny that you are praying your child to enjoy in his life, in the coming years of his life. Isaiah, as he was growing up, he was not always with God. And yet, every time he would call his, he would hear his name being called, Isaiah, Yeshayahu, he would always be remember, reminded that truly in his name is born one of the greatest promises, one of the greatest pillars of truth that we can enjoy as believers and that is that God is our salvation now after he got his call in Isaiah chapter 6 scholars and biblical literatures would now point to us that Isaiah or Isaiah served in the course of the many kings of the southern kingdom otherwise known as Judah he was there to minister after the death of Uzziah King Jotham King Ahaz, even in the time of Hezekiah. And history would now tell us how Isaiah, because he boldly preached the word of God, how he earned the ire of King Manasseh, how he was killed and murdered by this very evil king. He ministered in the southern kingdom, which at the time was compared to the northern kingdom or called Ephraim or Israel, the southern kingdom was more pious. 
the southern kingdom was more conscious of their religious duties. While the north had given over totally to idolatry and paganism, making the northern kingdom ripe for judgment, Isaiah saw the boom time of the southern kingdom. Isaiah could not help but notice the inconsistencies of the otherwise very religious southerners. Yes, they were into temple praises, they were into religious festivities, but as Isaiah looked around, he also saw that the poor were being oppressed. How the rich were taking advantage of those that were have-nots in life. And so Isaiah always would speak the truth even if it would hurt. That's another reminder for us, my friends. If truly we can declare that God is our salvation, that salvation comes with stern warnings. It comes with the declaration and the willingness to speak the truth. And you might lose some of your dearest friends. You might even fall out of grace from the point of view of some people. But if you're faithful to the Lord, it is Him that you would want to please the rest of your life. Now at this point, as we were reading Isaiah 7 and even Isaiah chapter 9, we realized that at the time, as this divided kingdom were at odds with one another, the blue one is the kingdom of Israel or the northern kingdom, and the yellow one is kingdom of Judah or the southern kingdom. Now we know by history that they were at odds with one another. As a matter of fact, Israel or the northern kingdom conspired with the Syrians so that they would attack the kingdom of Judah. Isaiah 7 would say that when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in Judah, southern kingdom. But they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied himself or itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. This is the start of our narrative. Just as when life was comfortable, just as when life was quote-unquote blessed, all of a sudden, the serious threat was on its way. Nagkunayv po ang Israel, northern kingdom, with the Arameans or the Syrians. And now they were marching to topple Jerusalem. Of course, Ahaz was the king of Judah at the time, and he was so nervous about it. He knew he had no power to overcome the conspiracy, the coming together of those northern kingdoms above him. He knew that perdition was knocking at his door. And so what would you do if you know that problems are there and you could not overcome it? What will you do if you know that the darkness of life has now come upon you? And there's enough reason for you to say, shall I just give up altogether? Or shall I seek alliances with even greater superpowers so that maybe I can have an edge over those that are threatening to get the better of me? And so in this picture, as the Arameans and the northerners 
were now on their way to Israel or to Judah, Isaiah, along with his son, met with King Ahaz. Isaiah 7, verse 3. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sher Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint because of those two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remalia. The Lord gave Ahaz, through Isaiah, a word of assurance. He says, because Syria, with Ephraim and the son of Remalia, has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, each shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. This must have been music to the ears of King Ahaz. He knew that Isaiah had this connection with God, that every word that Isaiah would speak were words that would come straight from the counsel of the Almighty. And now that his heart was shaking as the winds would shake the trees of the forest, the assurance came. No worries about it. Do not be afraid. Keep your quiet, Ahaz would say, or Isaiah would say to Ahaz. These are just two smoldering people, meaning they will not last. Yes, they have conspired against you and your kingdom, but it shall not come to pass. But maybe as Isaiah was looking at the eyes of Ahaz, Isaiah could discern that fear was getting the better of this beleaguered king. And so Isaiah 7, verse 11, Isaiah says, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as shoal or high as heaven. If you really are still very much afraid, ask a sign from the Lord for you to be assured that what I am telling you right now is true that you can trust in the Word of God, that you can take the Word of God to the bank, as they would say. But they have said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Umayaw pa, binibigyan nga siya ng propeta ng chance to have a confirmation if truly this is the Word of the Lord, but Ahaz would, none, would have none of it. Maybe Ahaz was just being overpowered by his fear of the Syrians and the northerners. And so Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's the original context of Isaiah chapter 7. That very famous verse that we always would quote. It was spoken to Ahaz as a sign that the word of the Lord to him through Isaiah was true. And verse 15 continues. This baby, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. 
For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. In other words, the original context of Isaiah chapter 7 was that God was assuring Ahaz, you have no reason to be afraid. You have no reason to succumb to fear. Because yes, the threat is real. I am not minimizing that, Isaiah probably would be saying. But the word is being given unto you. These two kingdoms threatening you, they are smoldering wicks. Malapit na silang maupos. As a matter of fact, there will be a virgin, maybe a young woman, who will bear a child. Manganak siya ng isang bata. And even this child is wind out of his childhood. Bago pa siya mag-teenager. Itong dalawang kinakatakutan mo, they already have been deserted. They would have been deserted. Tapos na ang northern kingdom. Tapos na ang pagahari ng mga Syrians. That's how ephemeral, that's how temporary their powers are. And so, Ahaz, do not be afraid. One gift of God to the beleaguered people of Judah was His assurance. The assurance that God's eyes are upon them. The assurance that God never has forgotten them. That God is on their side. My friends, if God is assuring you today, in the midst of all the troubles that we are going through as a people and as a nation, and nobody's minimizing it, and that's why we have the alcohol, and that's why we have the face masks, and that's why we do social distancing, and that's why we have yet to see each other in a face-to-face -face worship session, because the threat is real. But it doesn't mean, my friends, that your heart should be melting in fear. Because all of these troubles, all of these evils, at best, they are very temporary. Madali pong matapos to. The vaccine is already out in the rich countries, and pretty soon it will be in our midst. And by then, by this time, my friends, after nine months of quarantine, we already have learned how to cope with quarantine life. We are more careful, we are more safety conscious, and most of all, we have been assured and we have been confirmed that God has never left us in all these months under COVID times. The Lord is assuring you today. It's a gift from Him. Now going back to the story, did Ahaz draw comfort from the words of Isaiah, the very words of God? History now will show he did not. Because it's always the human tendency. Na pag may problema tayo, we would always go for the easy path. We would always go for the convenient. We'd always go for the things over which we have control. And so what did Ahaz do? He sent gifts to a superpower. A superpower that for him was greater than Syria and Israel combined. This was a superpower of the empire of Assyria. He sent gifts to Assyria. He said, I would like to, to strike an alliance with you, to have a covenant with you. You will be my protector so that the Syrians and the northerners will not be able to subdue me. And of course, such kind of yieldedness would always be welcomed by a superpower like Assyria. It earned the ire of the Lord. It irked the very heart of God. Because God already was assuring Ahaz, I have you in my hands. You have me on your side. Why would you go to a pagan king? And history will now tell. Because Judah 
allied with the pagan empire of Assyria, pretty soon Judah was influenced by the godless religions or the paganistic religions of the Assyrians. That's what happens, my friends, kung nakikiapid ka sa mga taong hindi mo kapareho ng values. That's what happens when you submit the reins of your life to a superpower that is not truly after your own benefit. Why not side with God? And so, God was just, I think, tormented by this evil choice that Ahaz did. And so Isaiah 8 was a form of warning to Ahaz. Isaiah 8 verse 6 would say, Because this people, meaning the Judah people, have refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently and rejoice over Rezin and the son of Remaliah. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks, and it will sweep into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel. What's the point of this? One gift of God, another gift of God is that He always initiates warnings to those that He values, to those that He loves. Hindi bisabin del mahal ni Lord to Judah, na ngayong nagkakasala si Judah, pababayaan lamang niya sa kanyang likong gawain si Judah. No, God would always warn you because God will always discipline those that He loves. And what do these verses mean? God was telling the people through Isaiah, you refuse the waters, the, the gentle waters, you refuse it. You refuse my commandment. You refuse my assurances. You know what? Instead of the gentle waters, the Lord will bring up unto you a flood that will sweep over all of you, that will go over all its banks. If you refuse to refuse, if you refuse to receive and enjoy the grace of God, then the discipline of God, the punishment of the Lord shall be upon us. And so today, my friends, if we are looking at this Christmas, if you're looking forward to our new year, and God has been reminding us in all this year, in all these months of being alone and being isolated or working from home that we now have so much time for ourselves and with ourselves, and the Lord has been showing you Things that you need to change. Praise God for it. It's a gift. That the Lord would warn us. That the Lord would remind us. If you refuse Him, the worst will come. But then the Lord reminds Ahaz, reminds the kingdom of Judah. Isaiah 8 verse 13. But the Lord of hosts, Him you shall regard as holy. Let Him be your fear. Let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both house of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord, Isaiah says, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Instead of you 
making alliances with people or with superpowers that you should not have any business with. Isaiah was reminding the people of Judah, better yet, embrace the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hope in Him. Hide in Him. Let Him be your sanctuary. Kanino ko ba tatakbo? To whom shall you run? To whom will you derive or draw your help? Or from whom will you derive your help? Will it not be from God? Because for those that hope in Him, for those that fear Him in Him, He is a sanctuary. But for those who continue to despise and walk away from His offer of comfort, oh, He will become a stumbling block for you. And so Isaiah says, wait on the Lord. Put your hope in Him. Isaiah even goes to the extent of reminding them. Verse 19 of Isaiah 8. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Oh, it's another gift coming from the Lord. Even in the original context of Isaiah, Isaiah was telling Ahaz and the people of Judah, trust in God. It's a gift that God is giving you. Trust in Him. Do not trust in spiritists. Do not trust in geomancers. Don't trust in the horoscopes. Don't trust in all those zodiac signs. Why go to the dead to consult about your life? When you have the living God in the midst of you, when God has opened His heart and His courts for you to inquire from Him, go to the law, go to the testimony of the disciples of the Lord. You have the Bible, you have the Christians, you have the believers. For those that do not speak according to the word, they are fake. They don't have the light of dawn. My friends, these are the gifts of the Lord. In the time of Isaiah and in our time today, God gives us His assurances that the evil schemes of the enemy shall never prosper. He assures us that I am with you. He assures us that He will be our strength. God takes the initiative to warn us of the serious consequences when we go against the offer of the Lord. God gives us the gift of His of the fear of God, so that we can have the wisdom to pursue Him, and in Him alone shall we delight. Or oh, the gift of us being able to trust in Him, not in the mediums, not in the spiritists. The gift of the Lord is before you. The question is, shall you receive it? And so we come to Isaiah chapter 9. Three gifts that we shall see. Number one is the gift of God's light. As Ahaz was now rumbling and trembling and being shaken to his core, the Lord says, I give you the gift of my light. Verse 2, because the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. God is always present to those that ask Him. God always gives His counsel and His wisdom and He ordains the steps of the righteous people. God is the one that holds us 
even when the world is shaking, even when there is so much to panic about, there is a great light that shines on us, greater than what the sun could ever give us in binibigay sa atin ng araw, greater than whatever biggest stars in the universe could ever give us. It is the great light of God, and God is saying, it is now shined upon you. Will you receive it? Ahaz, will you stop shaking in your boots? Receive the gift of God's light. Receive also the gift of freedom. The freedom that you can have from the Lord alone. Isaiah 9 verse 3 would say, You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy of the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. God is saying, yes, the enemy, the devil is really like a growling lion, threatening, posturing to devour those that he could devour. But you know what? If you are with the Lord, instead of being afraid, the Lord can increase your joy. You can see the joy of the harvest, the yoke, the staff, the burdens, that is upon your shoulders, that are upon your shoulders. God already has broken it. Will you receive it by faith, my friend? And that's why Isaiah 9, chapter, verse 6, the second part, the most famous verse. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We can preach a series of sermons just on this one verse alone. But the essence of this is this. You don't have to go through life being the burden bearer of your own weight. Because God is already giving you the Savior. In whose shoulders, He bears the government. The government that we have, President Duterte, President-elect Biden, if Trump concedes. The government shall be upon God's shoulders, not upon people, not upon mere mortals. That's freedom for us, my friends. As a pastor, that's freedom for me. I always pray. I always travail in my prayers. Lord, what would you want the church to do? Where would you want the church to go? And sometimes when I fast and I pray and I, I'm just overburdened by the works of the church, the Lord comes to me with this verse. Son, the government shall be upon my shoulders. Ako ang nagbibitbit ng church. Church ko yan. Lighthouse is mine. That's freedom for me. He's our wonderful counselor. Another name for the Holy Spirit. God is our wonderful counselor. If you are in need of wisdom and discernment how the 2021 will look like, you can always have conjectures, intelligent guesses, trends. But why not come to the Holy Spirit when He can counsel you and teach you and walk with you? Why not come to mighty God, El Gibor in Hebrew? He's the one that stretches His arms on His words. Nations and the universe and the planets and the stars tremble. He is the mighty God. Why not come to Him? It is your freedom. He's our everlasting Father. 
that is not only king, is not only God, is not only creator. He is our father that looks upon you and realizes and understands that from dust we have been made. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the very details of our lives. We have three kids. They are now big. But because I took care of them since the day they came out of their mother's birth canal until today, I have memorized every nook and cranny of their bodies. I know where their moles are. I know their scars. I know their tendencies. I know their psychological makeup. Now, I am a very finite, limited, sinful dad, but we have an everlasting father that knows you, my friend, that knows you intimately. Why not come to him and claim your freedom? And Jesus is our prince of peace. And lastly, we can partake of the gift of his kingdom. Because Isaiah 9 verse 7 would say, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. This is not a temporary, uh, what do you call this, ceasefire. It says, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And what will accomplish this? The very zeal of the Lord. Of hosts will do this these are not just mere words of men these are not just mere empty promises of our usual politicians these are not just mere bravados of motivational speakers these words are coming from God we belong to his kingdom and as our song would be sung a while ago by our Levites and that kingdom will have no end and that kingdom will know no bounds. This was spoken to King Ahaz by Isaiah. And some 700 years later, these very words, these very prophetic words came into life. The word became flesh. And that's what we call now the Christmas story. That the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. And Joseph was told by Mary that she was pregnant and she was, he was already contemplating of divorcing her quietly or breaking the betrothal. But the angel spoke to Joseph in Matthew 1 verse 21. The angel said, She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Referring to Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the power of prophecy, my friends. Though it might take, in human terms, a long time to be fulfilled, but it will happen. Isaiah spoke to Ahaz in the context of his putting his confidence in God, in the midst of the enemies that were now surrounding him. But 700 years later, the same words of Isaiah, the angel now quotes. And now we realize it's a prophetic word. And that's why it could not be broken. It pointed to Jesus. The virgin conception of Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary. And how Jesus will truly be the Savior of the world. And how Jesus will truly be 
the personification of God becoming flesh. The Word becoming flesh. Emmanuel, how God now dwelt with His people. To Mary, the angel said to her in Luke chapter 1, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. The very promise of God to King Ahaz through Isaiah. Do not tremble, Ahaz. Nobody will overpower the kingdom of David. This kingdom will have no end. But of course, kings came and kings went. Kings lived and kings died. But there is a soon coming king that will never die. There's going to be a soon coming king. And his kingdom that he will establish will have no end at all. That will be our king, Jesus. Finally, the words of Isaiah in chapter 7, in chapter 9, becoming a reality in the personhood of Jesus Christ. That, my friend, is the gift of God. That, my friend, is the essence of Christmas. That, my friend, is the heart of this occasion. When we come to the Lord and there's a gift in front of us, the question is, shall we open it? Shall we enjoy it? Shall we delight in the giver of the gift? Or shall that gift remain unopened, unappreciated? Shall that gift just be a Palamuti sa ilalim ng Christmas tree mo. Pang Facebook post lang. That gift will have no value. That gift will have no worth at all. If it will not be enjoyed for all it's worth. And so I have a gift box in front of me. Let me open this now. And let us enjoy this. Oh, hallelujah. The first gift is a candle. And for me, that reminds us of the gift of God's light. John chapter 1 says, The light of the world was coming. John chapter 1 says, People were living in darkness. And so, this light started to come. And it came with a blast. Ironically, because people had been living in such utter darkness, they were unfamiliar with the beauty. They were unappreciative of the beauty of light. And the Word of God says, the people did not understand it. The people did not receive it. He who came for his own, but his own did not receive him. Today, my friends, five days before Christmas, the light of God is once again being reminded of us. Shall you receive it? Shall you bask in it? And that's why I, I made use of the symbolism of the candle. Because I guess every house is a candle. 
I pray that on this Christmas Eve, in these coming days, you shall light that candle. We shall have our candlelight ceremony come Christmas Eve cantata, December 24. And I pray that as you behold once again the light and feel, and feel the warmth being emitted by this fire, I pray that the light of Jesus shall warm your heart as well and that your heart will not remain hard toward the Lord. That's the gift of His light. You shall not have to walk in darkness ever again. Wait, there's more. There's another gift that is in here. Oh, hallelujah. This is the gift of the cross. I bought this when I was in Jerusalem. After we walked the Via Dolorosa. And my heart got captured by this when the Israeli guide were, was telling us how these spikes here, these nails, resembled the spikes that were driven into the very hands and feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, this is a gift that once again we are being reminded of as we celebrate Christmas. Shall you receive everything? That God has done for you in the cross of Calvary. How we should have been the ones crucified. But the darling of heaven was the one who took the fall for us. And that's why when we, when we heard those words a while ago. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Remember that the cross Jesus bore upon his shoulders. Remember the promise of Jesus when he would say in Matthew 11. You are weary. You are in need of rest. Come unto me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me and I shall give you rest. It's a gift of freedom that you can seize from your strivings. That you can now hide in the sanctuary of God's wings. And know that the very blood and body of the Savior of the world, the very Son of God, He was given to you. So that on this Christmas day, you'll be reminded of your worth as the masterpiece of the Lord. But yet, there is more. One last. Oh, I love this. The gift of a crown. Because God promises that this kingdom will have no end. The book of Revelation would extend it even farther. The Lord would say, for those of you that would endure and would not renege on the faith, even up to death, to you shall God give the crown of life. My friends, we belong to an unshakable kingdom. And in the kingdom of the Lord, you are a prince. You are a princess. We are princess and princesses in the kingdom of the Lord. And the day is soon coming. If you are willing to take your cross, God will deem you worthy to wear your crown. If you remember the preaching of Pastor Sam many months ago. This crown reflects the eternal glory of God. This crown is a symbol that should remind us 
for all the pains that we are going through, for all the fears that have threatened to besiege our hearts, for all the threats that the devil has hurled upon you, upon your family, for all the grievings that you will have, that you have endured in this month of the pandemic. God is telling us, look beyond this world. Look beyond the flesh. Transcend the limitations of this life. Because as a day is soon coming, God will crown you. God will crown us. And we shall have the greatest life ever in the kingdom of God. A kingdom that truly knows no end. My friends, this and more are truly the precious gifts of God.